welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here in the COVID-19 lockdown day 30. Man, I never even thought I would miss audiences as much as I do. I miss even the bad ones. Uh, (laughs) I'll take any gig right now. Uh, I guess you can't take any gig right now. Hey, I know it's tough times, uh, especially for those of us that depend on performing in front of large groups. Even when uh, sometimes the crowd's not full, it's still considered a large group because it's more than 10 people now. We are shut down, locked out, trying to figure out this situation. We'll get through it, folks. They're, uh, you know, we'll just take that malaria drug and, and some uh, Vicks or whatever the combination is that's supposed to work out there and, and get on this thing. But until we do, uh, the good news for the School of Last podcast is some of the comics I normally would not be able to get a hold of because they're so busy and successful have been forced to take a little time off. And uh, the, today's guest is a prime example of somebody that I've wanted to have on the show since the show started, but I knew she was a full-time going at it. I mean, she's a mom for one. That's busy enough. Then she's a, a steady performer and she's out on cruise ships, which made it tough for me to even bother her to request her to, to join us on the show. But she's got some time. So I grabbed her while I could. I uh, first worked with Mary Ellen Hooper, I believe in Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, because yes, it was somewhere up there because on her day off or time off, we uh, hit a bunch of thrift stores together. And uh, that was kind of fun. And then I worked with her once or twice at different improvs across the country. But what I liked about her, very clean and very uh, dynamic on stage. She's a performer. She's, she came from acting into comedy. And it shows in her performance on her stage. And that's why, you know, even though she's clean and clean enough to work all the Disney ships, She's a comedy club powerful because she has the performance to go along with great material. So we're going to talk about that today. Did want to say thanks really quickly to Seth Knorr, who's our Patreon Club 52 sponsor for this episode. Thanks, Seth, for supporting the podcast uh, for quite a while now. Definitely appreciate that. Thanks to all the Club 52 members and everybody that supports the podcast through Patreon. You can find out more about that at uh, schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And uh, hey, if uh, if things are fluid for you and you would like to sponsor the podcast now, uh, that's a great way to provide some income for a comedian when they're out of the current work situation. But no stress if you can't. It's just there if you like. And also, uh, I've had several people email and say, how come you haven't been putting out uh, email or tweet or a post every single minute about an online course because everybody's at home right now? And, uh, you know, originally I didn't want to look like I was trying to take advantage of the situation in any kind of way and didn't assume that people had free time. I was assuming people going through some transition. But if you are at home or um, maybe you work still and you've got time off and you want to make things a little funnier, I'm going to run a special on the uh, silver edition of the online stand-up comedy level one writing class. Uh, You can go on there, take the entire class online at your own pace, and that Link is on the show notes. I'll read it out now, but as you see, links are kind of long. You might want to go to show notes anyway. But it's https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash silver comedy. If you just go to the show notes, you can get it there. But it's going to give you a discount of 20% off if you use the coupon code 
S, that's a capital S, save 20, capital S on silver. Save 20 silver will get you 20% off of the silver edition stand-up comedy writing class. And I don't want to say this too early, but by the next podcast, the master laughter class should be fully functional and online. I'm about 90% of the way through editing this. This is a heavy-duty, hard-hitting, super-duper class for Teachers, trainers, speakers, and preachers, anybody that really has the content already developed and you you deliver programs or keynotes or speak or train other people and you want to learn how to make things fun and funnier, this is an in-depth, speaker-focused master laughter class. And I'll give you the links for that once it comes online. Uh, But you can always search masterlaughterclass.com just to kind of see what we did in the past. And as soon as the new program gets up, I'll be talking about it everywhere because I'm really happy about this class. It's in-depth. It's approximately 40 modules, 40 lessons in the class. And we really dig deep into how to make your speech or program or content or keynote funnier, very specific, targeted, uh, and a lot of really good stuff in there. So that's a really exciting thing. I was hoping to have it done by this launch of this podcast. Didn't quite make it. Should have it by the next. All right, enough about that. Let's jump into the podcast with Mary Ellen Hooper. Well, I'm talking today with Mary Ellen Hooper. How is it going, lady? Look at you. It's like a reunion. Yes, it's been many moons. And uh, gosh, I was just trying to think about what year it was when I first worked with you. And we were just talking about when you were Female Comedian of the Year. And it was like the year before that. So what year was that? That was 98. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, we just did that TV show together, though. Yeah, we did the Pure Flix uh, comedy all-star thing a couple years ago, and I, I I knew you were funny, and, and you kind of forget how funny people are until you see them in the show again. And man, you just rocked the stage that night. I thought you had a, the best set of the whole night. How'd you feel about all that? See, you too, but you know what's so funny is as you're going up the ladder, right? So you start out as an MC, then you get to watch all these amazing headliners, and then you start featuring, but you still get to see the amazing headliners. And now all the people that you started with, you all kind of move up kind of at the same level. So then you don't get to hang out with your friends anymore because you're all headliners, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't get to see your friends as a headliner because you're a headliner. Right. So unless you're doing a TV show, but even then you only get five minutes or, you know, so... Yeah, I kind of wanted to stay for the whole three days and just catch everybody coming through, you know, because... Fun, right? I'm not in LA anymore and that's kind of the hangout where you would get to hang out with your friends because people are hanging out to showcase. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I miss that for sure. Being in Florida. And when, what year did you move down to Florida? 2008. Mm-hmm. And was it mostly because you starting a family and you wanted to be in a, a, a place that was a little bit easier to raise? Yeah. I didn't want to raise them in LA. They would be in rehab by now. Right. I'm sure. Right. So we have family here because I grew up in Florida and my husband works for Disney. They have a Disney here. Yay. So we have everything. And plus, your money goes way further. And you don't have a black lung. <laughs> yeah, there are so many benefits. Well, but- being in Florida, I do a lot of those um, 55 and older communities, right? So you show up and they're like, you're such a nice young lady. And I'm like, There's, this is the only place in the world of a young lady still. And those are fun. I've done some of those like Dell Web communities and... I haven't done the vil- the villages, which is like the mecca of them all, but 
let's talk about that for a second. Because I haven't had too many fo- people on that have done those. Some of the facilities they have, at, especially the Dell Webb properties, are state-of-the-art theaters. They've got little clubs, and they all meet there. And every time I talk to one, they're booked like almost a year out on every space in their community where they can have meetings and have shows. So I just booked a whole bunch of things for, uh, I just booked one for 2022. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And I didn't know anything about it. So when I moved to Florida back then, um, I guess somebody had car trouble and couldn't make it as the opener to one of those shows. And an agent had heard that I just moved. So I was a couple, uh, like 20 minutes away. So they said, can you get there? Can you do this? I'm like, yeah, I didn't even know what it was. And I show up and there's 500 people and it's this amazing stage, like you said, all the sound system, the lights, everything. I'm like, what is going on? And it was like comedy in the 90s. And I show up and I go up and I do really, really well. And then so I find out I get a standing ovation because the agent had been booking the same acts for a long time, right? So there were very vaudevillian kind of, you know, thinking they had to play to these 90 year old people, but people who are 55 and older now, you know, they listen to Richard Pryor and, you know, different people. So not that I'm dirty like that, but I wasn't telling joke jokes, you know? Right. Yeah. Dan. Yeah. So, they said, the agent called and said, oh my gosh, who are you and will you showcase? So I showcased and I'm like, what do you mean showcase? You have more of these? She's like, oh, honey. <laughs> so I did a showcase. I, I booked 46 neighborhoods. And, and I'm like, so what's the record? And she goes, well, before you, it was 22. So And I told her, I said, I think that you need to scale back a little younger in your acts Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they were so hungry for somebody, you know, under 80 themselves. So I have a great time. I mean, I I go in and and they're just so much fun and they're ready to laugh. And they're from, you know, the generation of uh, really appreciating comedy, right? Because that's when it was really big and stuff. So. Yeah, and I find a lot of them to be from New York or East Coast where they were used to going out to clubs and used to go and see. And, you know, at the facilities, they have their bringing their own bottle night and stuff like that. So they're still kind of in that going out on the evening kind of mode, but they appreciate not being talked down to or talked old to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. So I, I have a great time, you know, I and you don't have to worry about um, the drunk young pe- people. <laughs> Yeah, the drunk old people fall asleep, so it's like a win-win. They're just out. Yeah, but you have to be really careful not to point out things because probably not what you think. You know, like somebody in the front row was uh, not looking at me, and I'm like, hey, you will make eye contact with me, mister, not seeing the dog. That was... Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a few of those things, too. That's hilarious. Well, that was kind of serendipitous i mean you moved to florida for your family you didn't even realize those things were a thing and you know you booked 40 of them that's like that's like a welcome to the state thanks for being here kind of moment huh right i could drive you know within a couple hours do the show come back sleep in my own bed be there for the kids yeah it was really 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 good that's great and then you're you mentioned disney and your husband works for disney and and i know you do some cruise ships and that's definitely 
Yeah. And that's like the, the beautiful ships for one. And, you know, I was t- telling some of my younger comedy friends, you know, maybe they're in the thirties, but when I was in my twenties and thirties, I looked at cruise ship comedians and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I'll do when I retire or whatever. And then all of a sudden the, the level of quality of the comedians on the boats just got so thick. Like, I don't know if it was because the, the nineties boom of comics were hitting a certain age and they didn't want to be in the clubs all the time, but they had that 20 years of knockout boom, boom experience. And then I look around and like, wow. And now I'm thinking, gosh, most of the ships want you to book lots of dates and well in advance. And so the comics that are being affected like yourself with, with scheduling, you know, what have you done? It's just been a couple of weeks now, but what have you done to kind of switch your mindset and focus on what you can handle and, and what you can do at this point? Um, well, I decided when I lost uh, this week's work that I would do your podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I decided I would help my kids with their science fair projects, and that got canceled. So, um, no, I'm I'm really lucky. I mean, I'm my husband's still working, you know, although they're Disney's cutting back. So, you know, fingers crossed. But um, he works in the uh, entertainment. Uh, the art department. So they're still making art. They're still working on lots of stuff. So I think we're pretty good there. I mean, I, you know, a lot of uh, people who are the sole breadwinners or the major ones, comics, you know, I really feel for them. I know I work with a lot of magicians and ventriloquists and stuff on the ship. And um, I, yeah, they don't know what they're going to do. You know, I'm just glad that the, the new stimulus package is including us. Right, right. If you can get on the website, right? So it's funny because we've always been that, you know, crazy out there gig to gig thing, but this feels so out of control, right? So it's not through any fault of your own, you know? So I'm, I mean, we, I'm, I'm pretty smart as far as, um, putting money away for rainy days. And I know there's a lot of people who in our profession that don't think that way, you know, it's such uncharted territory. Um, it's interesting. To, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And then the second part of it too, I think is how people will want to be entertained, but how many will want to go sit in a room full of strangers at what point after the green light is flipped back on? Right, right. Because even though the green light's on, as far as you can go out, you still have to distance yourself, right, until it's gone. That just means that the curve is flattened and they can handle the cases. <laughs> doesn't mean there aren't going to be any more. So I, I know it's very tricky. You know, I, I, I guess I have no idea what people are going to do. I'm, I just feel very lucky that we have a a cushion, you know, that we've, our rainy day that we've saved for. So hopefully it'll get past that <laughs> before we're through. Yeah. Hopefully it's a, a rainy day and not a rainy year or decade, <laughs> you know. But like you said, I, I really think that, um, like history is proven, like even after 9-11, where this horrible thing happens, people just want to be entertained and forget their problems. And that's what we've always been through history, right? Mm-hmm. We've always been even in the depression, you know, if you've got a nickel, are you going to buy that piece of bread? Or are you going to go to the vaudeville show? You know, you're, you're going to go to the show because you really need to escape. Yeah. 
Well, on the, the positive side of having more time now, I'm just curious. I'm asking all the comic friends of mine, have there been some projects or some things that you've wanted to do that you couldn't do because you were, you know, hitting the road and coming back and there wasn't enough time to focus on something? Have you got a few of those things that you're tackling now or, or thinking about tackling now that you've got? Well, I never had, I'm always way too busy to work out. So now that I have more time, I realize I just don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of those projects that I have. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out I really uh, don't want to write a novel. (laughs) Turns out. That's funny. Well, I've been working on, um, when I'm on the cruise ship, you know, I have a lot of downtime. And I've been working on this um, kid's book that I'm a little passionate about. So I'm trying to. Um, find time to do that when, but it's funny how you think, Oh, I have all this time, but really now you have your kids and you're helping them because you're homeschooling them now, mm-hmm. basically. And you're making all the meals now you can't go out. So I'm like, I'm really not just hanging out. I'm, <laughs> I'm more busy than I was before. I don't know how that is, but yeah. this, this little, um, it's, it's an, I'm writing it as a kid's book, but it's for everybody because there isn't anything out there. It's a, I'm a just strong believer um, in um, separation of church and state. So I know I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to talk about politics, but that's my one thing is um, I feel like uh, that that's something that I would ch- teach my children, you know, that uh, e pluribus unum, right, out of many one. So that's what I'm working on. And I'm working on um, uh, a rom-com because I love those. So I'm working on a, a screenplay uh, for a romantic comedy for women of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all of our friends are of a certain age now, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I figured you were probably work- working on some kind of script, just being where you are and what you do. And uh that's great. And hopefully you'll have the time to finish it and even collaborate with some people if you need to that you may not have been able to get a hold of because they've got some free time now, too. But right. right. For, my, for my kids' book, I have like a lot of illustrators that weren't returning my call going, uh, hello. I've talked to some comics about writing material during this time, and it's ranged from everything from, you know, I don't even want to write jokes about the virus because by the time we go back, it'll be something people want to forget about to, you know, one of my best buddies is like, I don't know if what I'm writing now will even be topical outside of the virus. Like he's, he's thinking more about things that are going on in the news outside of that. But if it's six months or four months or whatever, before you get back on stage, is that wasted time writing? Like how do you juggle just the jokes part of it in the downtime? Well, I always feel like it's an elephant in the room, right? So I think when we all go back, you're going to need two or three jokes, right? To, to acknowledge it and then move on Mm -hmm. because people, aren't going to want to dwell on it, dwell on it, dwell on it. And there's so many jokes that are online now, you know, even if it's one joke, just to acknowledge it. And then, like I said, just, okay, now let's move on to forget about it. But I think if you didn't, it's kind of like, wasn't, wasn't she just held up in a house for a couple of months? (laughs) Like, how is she not Then it would seem kind of fake, right? Yeah. I think you're the first few things on stage should just, you know, I'm just thinking I'm going to really welcome the audience and, and be thankful that they're there. Cause that's the one thing I never thought about before 
was that I would not have an opportunity to go talk to an audience of people. Like that never occurred to me. It occurred to me that I might not be hired to go to speak to an audience or that I might age myself out of the opportunities that I'm currently in because the people that are booking them are getting younger and I'm getting older. But I never thought about the fact that I couldn't be with a group of people and have fun like this. And so I will look at, yeah, I think I'll almost break down in tears like, oh, thank goodness we're all in one place again. Like it's going to be so exciting and so I'll definitely share that and have some funny things about being pent up with the family and the kids and everybody from working from home and that kind of stuff. But you're right. A few minutes of that, or as long as it's funny and, and lightening the mood and not bringing it down and then move on to whatever else you want to. Well, for me, what I talk about is really stuff about me and around the house. So I'm just getting more of it right now. So it doesn't really have to be when I was pent up in that or it could be or could not be, you know. I, so I'm trying to write things that are happening. You know, I walked in. My husband was putting a <clears throat> a new shelf in the pantry to hold all of the food <laughs> that we just had to buy. And there's a, we have a two-step step stool, and then it has a handle. And he's standing on the handle part on the top. Whoa. So um, I'm like, well, it just kind of writes itself. I'll right. just wait for it to happen. <laughs> right. That's the benefit of marrying people that don't make good choices. Lots of jokes in there. <laughs> there yeah. So it could be, hey, while we were sequestered, you know, this is what happened. Or it could just be doing a home project. This is what happened, you know, so. Right. Now, how with your kids, well, first question I always am curious about, are, has your sense of humor rubbed off on your kids and have they got to a point where it, some days they're the funniest people in the house? Like that's happened to me, but I don't know about your house. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I enjoy it because every, every once in a while they'll come out with something and it makes me laugh really hard and I'll look and go, Hmm, guess it's rubbing off there. Look at that. Yeah. I never found out how you got into comedy in the first place. Was it when you were still in Florida or did you move somewhere else and kind of get the bug? When did that take place? Well, I was still in Florida. Like I was always a, 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 I was a drama major. So always in plays and, and, um, I was started auditioning for movies and things like that in South Florida. And, um, but always the funny parts, right. Except for <laughs> I was an extra in the movie, the unholy. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was interesting. Um, those are whatever would come, you know, a sure. Miami vice. I was an extra, you know, it was just fun to go do it. But, um, so comedy clubs started, uh, booming and they opened one called the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale. If you remember that one mm-hmm. and um, the Balazzo's booked it. So I went there just with friends. you right. And they said, we have open mic night. And I was like, what's that? Like, Cause I didn't know how you become a comedian. I, I thought I wanted to be a funny actress. And so I went and watched open mic night and I'm like, I could be at least that bad. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> horrible. And the one thing is because we had stage presence and that's more than 80% of the battle, right? So I did really, really well. So I went home and and wrote uh, some stories and, um, you know, you either have a natural ability and you are funny or not, you know? So I'll tell you my first joke, my dad growing up, I was, was a police officer. So I said, he rested my first date and charged him with possession of condoms with intent to use. Right. <laughs> and I was really proud because now that we know the formula of what a joke is, I'm like, that 
was an actual joke, Mm -hmm. like without even knowing how to write a joke. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you just had it naturally and it sounded right. You said it and it worked. So I was proud of that. So, um, yeah, and I and I used to be a hairdresser, so I talked about being a hairdresser, you know, write what you know, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> just kept going back to open mic night. And um, then one night they let you MC, and then you know you do little bars around. They had little star search competitions and um, you know gong shows and mm-hmm. stuff. And we would all group of us would all go around. Believe it or not, it was me, Jim Brewer, um, Larry the Cable Guy, who was Dan Whitney yeah. at the time. Um, carrot top. (laughs) There's a whole group of us, Florida comics, you know? And, um, so then I went to New York after a year. And, um, so then I hung out with, uh, my gang up there, which was, you know, uh, Adam Ferrara, Ray Romano, Kevin James, um, Gary Valentine, you know, all those guys. So they're my, we're the same, right? You start 85 ish. I started 90, 91. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so this is like our little mm-hmm. graduating class. Did some people bring you on the road with them, or any, you know, just from a general comic standpoint, where they said, "Hey, I like what you're doing. Uh, let's work as many times as we can together." Um, I, I don't know that that I I got to open up for some singers and stuff, so that was always fun. You know, like uh, Winona Judd. Oh, yeah. I I opened for her for, gosh over a year and a half or so. And so that was really fun, you know, something different. Um, it was always very funny because I would come out, you know, and cause I have red hair and it, and sure enough, there'd always be some, some guy in the front going, well, when are you going to start singing? <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh no, I'm not her. That's not the um, one. <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, doing that, that was a lot of fun, something different, but, um, I wouldn't say, you know, I always liked working with guys and some guys would ask, but it's funny because a lot of times for me to get a headliner gig, I didn't usually ever get hired as a headliner. I would always have to go in as a feature and blow the headliner off the stage Mm -hmm. because then I would prove myself. So, and whenever I was headlining, you always had the kind of misogynistic, well, I'm, I'm going to blow her off the stage easily, you know? So they would go on before me and just be as dirty and as filthy as they could thinking that I could never follow that. Cause I wasn't, and I would have no problem, you know? One thing I liked when I got to work with you is the audiences typically expected a clean, cleaner show. Cause they knew you were on it. And that was you kind of your billing. What, what happened early on or just what was your approach to comedy that you decided I'm going to be clean because we all think of jokes that are like, oh, that's hilarious, but that wouldn't fit with me right now. Or my, the way, what, at what point did that kind of come together and you decide this is, this is my, who I am. It's my brand. It's the whole nine yards. Well, I guess, you know, when somebody told me that um, you should be you to the 10th power, right, on stage, unless you're really doing a character character like, you know, Larry the Cable Guy or whatever. But, um, I, I'm not really, I'm not dirty off stage. I don't curse off stage, you know, I, so why would I be that on stage? And, and plus I think I had foresight in that I never wanted to be embarrassed or have my someday children or family be embarrassed of what I did on stage. So, which is actually paying off really well right now. (laughs) 
because my kids are at a new school and um, we try to keep a low profile, you know, but uh, my son came home and went, words out, mom, you're being Googled. <laughs> and um, so can you imagine if I had chosen to be, you know, um, not the way that I am, you know, an Amy Schumer or whoever, you know, the people who are chose, you know, to do what they, they think is funny. Um, how embarrassing or how bad that could be for your kids, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Not having to look over your shoulder or look into your Google history or anything (laughs) like, man, what what do I need to delete before I have children or before whatever? Right. Right. I don't have to worry about that, you know? Yeah. And the flip side of that, just the opportunities that you get from being clean and like, they never even have to worry that you're going to go off the rails for this particular thing, whether it's Disney or whether it's a cruise or whether it's a corporate event, you know, just having that, just that built up history of this is, this is who I am every single time. You, this, what you see is what you get. Um, what opportunities opened up for you early on or even, even now where you're like, I know that the clean factor is a huge part of that. Well, definitely opening for people, you know, cause they don't want a dirty person. So I would get called to open for, you know, Jerry Seinfeld or, um, you know, for all those TV comics, right? So, because the club knew that I wasn't going to either A, step on their material or B, you know, be offensive and uh, hard for the uh, the headliners to, to follow, you know, um, in that aspect, you know, by digging a hole. Right. Yeah. Sometimes though, I would, <laughs> I was called to open for like Tommy Davidson. That was not a good fit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I worked with him once in Florida. Actually, it was at the uh, when Orlando had an, uh, hilarities. Now this was late '90s or early 2000s, probably late '90s. And he, and when I was on stage, he came out and walked around the audience like he was like high fiving tables. And I'm like, you're not even letting your opener do this job. Like I, I just kind of laughed it off. And I'm like, there's no way they're gonna look at me right now when the people they came to see you and you're in the room you know, literally in the second and third row, just walking, waving around at people while I'm on stage. It's like, <laughs> what's going on, man? Yeah. Why? What is that about? That's yeah. weird. Like Mine this. was in Philly. So that was a, Oh, well, Philly crowds are, that's a different animal altogether to start with. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, I just, I know afterwards he goes, he goes, you did surprisingly well. And I said, and that will be the last time I ever do that for you. <laughs> right. I thank you for coming on today. Is there any, um, parting advice you give to any comic just kind of starting out, you know, they're, they're, whether they're struggling with writing or finding stage time or finding their voice, any, anything that you heard early on or you discovered that would help somebody else get a little further down the road a little bit faster? Yeah, I guess, you know, I started studying comedy and I started, you know, to be a student of it and to know that there's different types of comedy and to figure out, and I read this and I want to say it was in Jean Perret's book. Do you know that one? Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helped me figure out who I was. So you have to figure out what your sense of humor is and you have to do that. So you carry around a notebook with you for a couple of weeks. And anytime you laugh out loud, you write that down in your little book. And at the end of two weeks, you look and you're going to see what your sense of humor is. So it's either going to be physical, is it political, um, observational storytelling um mine is stories about um people being in um what i called my first uh 
CD, Dignity Under Duress, which is me being in embarrassing situations, right? Like that's why I like Brian Regan and, you know, all the, the physical um, storytellers um, because that's what makes me laugh. So if you ever see comics, new comics, they'll say, so in the news, the president, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll say, you ever notice when you're walking down the street, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll say, when I was young, my parents used to beat me. Okay, so now you have three styles going on right there. <laughs> so usually if you're doing that, you'll find that one of the three is going to get the biggest laugh and they won't be really consistent because you're all over the place. So it's figuring out what your sense of humor is, what your style is, what you think is funny. And it helps you write so much because like, I'm not going to write a, a political joke because that's not what makes me laugh. That's not what I am. So it helps you to write um, and to know that I'm, I'm looking for situations where I've gotten myself into trouble and um, try to get out of them. So if you are a Jerry Seinfeld, you're looking at the world and figuring out what's crazy about it. So that's going to help you write that, you know? So that, that, that's the thing that helped me the most. That's great. And I'm with dignity under duress. I remember when I worked with you, that was the title of your CD. And I thought, man, how, how helpful is that? That funnels everything you think about, like for, for that project or, or just your general demeanor, how do I stay you know, cool under circumstances when things are against me? And that just, to me, I thought it was a great envelope to put the comedy inside and it made it very easy for not only you as the, the writer, but the audience to understand, oh, this, let's see how she handles this situation, you know? And, and uh, yeah. And your comedy to me was almost always like, it was like a sitcom on stage. You would really act things out and you'd really, I guess, because of your theater background, use your facial expressions and use your body, use the stage itself as a, almost like a, as a, a theater sometimes just the way you moved around and used the space. So it, that made it an, an engaging level over almost almost all the comics that were working back then. Very few did anything besides just stand there and lean on the microphone or lean on the stool. And that's just one more tool you had to, to, you know, to be the closer, the headliner, to take it to another level without being dirty or anything like that. It's just the audience was so enthralled with, man, this is like a performance. And so, so many comics don't think of their show as a performance. They think of it as just, I'm going to go be funny and tell jokes, but to create moments within the jokes that are acted out and performed is, it's just a treat for the audience. Yeah, but you you do that too, so that's that's why we have this mutual admiration society. Well, it's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, and it was a reason to put on makeup, which I haven't done in three weeks. So and neither had I. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go take this stuff off now. <laughs> there you go, folks. Did I tell you what? Huh? She's on the ball. She is smart. She is funny, and she is uh, looking like all of us forward to the next time we get in front of an audience. And like she says, we can't ignore that this thing happened, but how much do we want to dwell on it? That's kind of up to us as individuals. I thought that was a, a nice take that, yeah, you just don't want to go out there and start your show and not mention that the world has gone through a pandemic. <laughs> we need to kind of have a couple of lines about that, then get into our thing. So all kinds of great information on that episode. Thanks again, Mary Ellen, for helping us out. You can learn more about Mary Ellen Hooper at maryellenhooper.com. You should definitely subscribe to her YouTube channel. Check out some clips while you're in there. You can follow her on the Twitter at Mary Ellen Hooper. Thanks again to Seth Nor for sponsoring us through Patreon. And don't forget, for uh, the length of the pandemic, I'm running a special 
for the Silver Edition Comedy Online class. Should you have time and the uh, desire to take it, 20% off. All you have to do is go to schooloflast.com and click on Online Comedy Classes to find out more. Or look in the show notes for the link, which is https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash silver comedy. That'll take you there. The comedy coupon code is SAVE. That's a capital S on SAVE. 20 capital S on silver. All one word. All right. All that's in the show notes at schooloflast.com. Thanks again to everybody who listens. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay funny. Stay focused and wash those hands. And take that malaria thing. It seems to be working. listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of laughs podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit schooloflaps.com. until next time stay tuned stay focused and stay funny